0: Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. Amen. Well, one of the challenges of being a senior pastor, which you may not know about, is that um, being a senior pastor involves uh, many layers and many facets um, I think actually, I don't think it's just being a senior pastor. I've talked to other people who work with people, and it seems to be that the issue is actually people. Uh, it, it, there is complexity when working with people. Any teachers here? Is it there? Are some, there's some complexity. Anyone in retail? We'll pray for you because Christmas season is coming, and there are just some whacked out people. Um, but. Being a senior pastor has different layers and um, different facets, and all of them are supposed to work together. And at some point, all of these different layers and facets are supposed to have an intersection in the local church. They're supposed to. Um, and, and the thing about the church, which a lot of people don't understand recognize, and a lot of Christians don't even understand, is that there is something very unique about a church at its best and when it is truly the church the church is supposed to be this contrasting civilization that lives and acts and has a lifestyle that actually demonstrates and portrays to the world this is what it actually looks like when Jesus is king that's what the church is supposed to be that is what a Christian is supposed to be it's like check out my life check it out everything you see about me I may not be perfect I'm on my way but this is kind of what it looks like is Jesus is king you know what I'm saying that's a pretty good vision, isn't it? That's a pretty good aspiration, pretty daunting as well. Imagine that, being part of a society, being part of a people group, and we're actually declaring to the world, this is what it looks like when Jesus is king. Come and check us out. Crazy, right? But that's what it is. <laughs> so over the last seven and a half years, and I'm on my way to eight years as a senior pastor in this church. I'm currently the second longest serving pastor. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or if that's a bit sad um, in 51 years. Um, But after seven and a half years of this role as senior pastor, I've managed to simplify the responsibilities of a pastor down to two things. And I've had to do this because I'm not particularly smart. I need to keep things simple. And those two things are formation and mission. Formation. Formation is the lifelong journey of becoming more like Jesus. Anyone on that journey? Pretty cool journey, eh? On that journey. (laughs) Sometimes I feel like I'm right at the beginning of that journey. But that's what formation is. And um, the idea is that if today you were to take a spiritual selfie of, of yourself, and if you compare that to a selfie that you took of yourself a year ago, there should be a bit of change. There should be something different. Now, I may not be perfect, but I guarantee you if you take a spiritual selfie of right now and compare it to a year ago, I've actually changed a bit. I've actually gotten better. It's kind of encouraging, you know. I've gotten better. And I dare say if you're following Jesus Christ, no matter how well you think you're going or how badly you think you're going, if there was a possibility of actually taking a spiritual selfie of you today and comparing it to a spiritual selfie of you like a year ago, you would be surprised at how much you've grown. You would actually be astounded. You would be so surprised. Um, But this is kind of what we talk about when this formation becoming more like Jesus. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good, acceptable and perfect will of God. Um, That word transformation, which is that formation kind of word. um, It's this theological word called sanctification. And um, the actual original, um, if you went back to the original language, that word um, transformation or transformed, it's very similar to that word metamorphosis. Um, That word that we use to describe how a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Everyone learnt that in primary school? In high school? Um, Play school? (laughs) We've learned that stuff. Um, And that seems like a very simple, simple complex. As I said, um, I first learnt about um, a caterpillar becoming a butterfly in play school. It was great. I was really young. And I thought, there, simple, very simple. What I did not understand and what I did not know, which I've come to learn in recent years, is the process that happens within that cocoon. What happens, and some really weird people have obviously done something to find this out, But a caterpillar will actually wrap itself into a cocoon, right? While it's in that cocoon, that caterpillar doesn't just grow wings. That caterpillar actually dissolves into a goo, right? And from the goo, a caterpillar is formed. That's the process of transformation. Cool, huh? (laughs) That's kind, of, that, that's kind of the thing. And, and you've got to imagine, if there is the process of sanctification, if there is the process of transformation, you've got to have a little bit of compassion on me because pretty much that's my job, to manage a couple of hundred people who are going through that goo to formation kind of process. And we're all at different kind of stages of that like, goo to transformation kind of process, you know? and um, what I find a big part of my job is that very very often I'll have people come to me and they lament the fact that they're an absolute mess they lament the fact that they stink that they they, they're like a bit gooey they're kind of vicky and all this kind of stuff and I just sit with them and say hey hang on this is normal you're supposed this is exactly what following Jesus is like you know give your life to Jesus and all of this is going to happen bang bang no it doesn't happen that way what happens that you go through a process of formation and sanctification and guess what going to feel like goo so if you feel like goo keep on going you're doing well keep on going and you will actually develop and grow out of this that's a pretty good thing now I've also got some other well-meaning Christians who very often they come and they will talk to me and you know when they come up to you and they, and they give you like this this respect say, so Oh, pastor Dave <laughs> Pastor, I know it's coming after that. I've been around for a while. Pastor Dave. And, and they come around and, and, and they start pointing their finger at other people's goo. Right? And all I have to do is, okay, chill out. I know they've got goo, but guess what? So do you. In fact, I've got goo as well. This is a process of sanctification, this is a process of transformation, that the Bible uses a very unique word, that metamorphic sort of word, where we are here, and God is transforming us to become more like Christ, but in the process, there's actually ups and downs, as lefts and rights, is it, am I speaking to anyone right now, are you guys just holier than thou, and you belong in a different church, not Newspring? right, that's right, this is what we do. And this process of formation, sanctification, God uses all these different mechanisms which are so ordinarily human to bring about his transformation. Marriage, for instance. The greatest joke in the Bible is the two shall become one flesh. That reads very easy, but that word become, how many married people can testify that word become? That's hard work. That's messy word, isn't it? (laughs) <laughs> the two shall become one flesh. I've often pictured the father and the son up, up, up like in heaven sitting on their throne. Holy Spirit's down here, obviously. And they get the popcorn out and like, they're like so, two couple get married and say, now watch this. <laughs> there is a reason why marriage is a great mechanism of sanctification. And there's a reason why marriage very often can be difficult. Because God uses marriage to distinctly different people come from different families, and He creates a brand new family, and that new family is supposed to reflect and image Him, but that in the process can be very hard, can't it? Parenting's another thing. Any parents here? Anyone find parenting exceptionally easy? No, parenting's hard. I've discovered like our kids are only young, but it seems like like the the, the rules always change. The goalposts are continually moving, right? We, We think we've got it sorted here and all of a sudden, no, they change and we have to try something else. No, they change again. Parenting can be tough. And discipleship actually starts in the home. That's where discipleship starts. Can you imagine if discipleship starts at home and then it's always... It's a great, great means of developing patience and endurance and love and mercy and compassion, you know. What about this idea of being part of a community in a world that's so fractured and a world that's so determined on being so individualistic and yet God will say, not only are you created to worship me, but you also created that you would actually connect with other people. And now we're living in this world that increasingly wants to separate us from other people. Right, and we're actually supposed to be on a journey as the people of God, as a community of faith, out on on pilgrimage together. This is a mechanism of sanctification, of formation, because it's not easy. It takes intention. It takes intention. If you want to do anything in life that's worthwhile, you need to put some effort into it. Isn't that right? Work. How many people complain about work? Yet, yeah, work is a place where God invites us to partner with Him to take the world somewhere. Sometimes we've got such a negative, unhealthy relationship when it comes to work. Yet, yeah, from the book of Genesis, we are created to work. Man, you can preach that, right? No, people don't like hearing that. But that's what the book of Genesis does. He uses language like rule and reign. And what God is saying is that take the raw elements, take what I have created and actually pick it up and craft it and create something new and take this world somewhere. That's what work is. It's a great mechanism for formation. Um, Here's a good one. You're going to love this one. Suffering. I don't get it. I have to, at this point, by faith, believe that God is smarter than me. Because I think to myself, Lord, if you are all-knowing, and you know everything, there's nothing you don't know, and this is the best you can come up with, there has to be some wisdom in that. And sometimes when you're absolutely going through it, and it is gut-wrenchingly bad, to the point where you just want to give up, you need someone to actually sit on the other side of a table and actually look at you and say, you know what? This sucks right now. Let's not like be this airy, fairy little Christians. Let's actually call a spade a spade. This sucks right now. It's really hit the fan. But in the midst of this, in the process of this, we know that God is doing something and He will use the situation to mature you, to actually bring purity out of you, to grow you up. The book of James says, Consider a joy, dear brothers and sisters, when you encounter all this conflict and suffering. Consider a joy. But that's what happens. And through all of this stuff, we find that it is the Spirit that's working in us to form us. The other one's mission. And um, I think that Jesus is very, very clear. He may be, like the Bible might be unclear on some things. Jesus is very clear on this one when he laid down the plan and expectation of discipleship. John 20 verse 21 to 22 says this, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father is sending me, I'm sending you. That's why it's so important that we don't just study and read like the epistles of Paul and epistles of John and of Peter, but we actually study and look at the life of Jesus, not just his birth and his Um, death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension. But actually, those 33 years in between, because those 33 years in between inform us as to what we're supposed to do on earth. Because Jesus says, as the Father has sent me 33 years, check it out, so I'm now sending you. This is mission. So there's formation, there's mission, and um, the power through which each of these two is outworked is the working of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? We're pretty stuffed without the Holy Spirit. I know I am. And um, I've found personally in these things, like I said before, if I was to take a selfie of my life today and compare it to like uh, a year ago, I would actually see there's been growth, there's been maturity, there's been change. And if you're following Jesus, no matter where you think you are right now, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you took a picture of yourself today and a picture of yourself a year ago, you would be astounded at the growth and the change and the maturity that has happened in your life because of this reason, it's not really dependent on you, it's dependent on the work of the Holy Spirit, right? So there's been a lot of growth. And I've found in my life that this seems to chug along, kind of ordinarily, you know. I'm definitely different today than what I was a year ago. But as I journey through every day, I can't really tell the change. As I go through the weeks or the months, I can't really tell the change. But if you looked at me years apart, there's definitely change. So I found that these things seem to chug along almost in an ordinarily human way until God starts to speak and motion that a seasonal change is ahead. And that is what I want to talk to New Spring about today. A seasonal change, which is ahead. The last time we had a seasonal change wasn't that long ago, actually. It was the beginning of 2017, January 1, 2017. And on the 1st of January, it happened to be on a Sunday, um, that was the day where New Spring Church was born. And um, I've got to be honest, the journey of rebirthing a church was completely unexpected for me and even for Trevor, Aaron, and Louie, Um, as we were serving as elders. We had no ambition to actually really change anything in the church. Um, To be honest, I came on board as senior pastor and I had a young family. I had no time really to do much except figure out how to be a husband and look after a young family and then like, there was a whole lot of stuff happening in the church which was um, taking a bit of time. But there was nothing in my mind to actually rebirth the church. That was the last thing on my mind. But As we as elders, we embarked on this um, journey of praying together. It became absolutely undeniable that God wanted to birth a new church, which meant the end of an old church. And that was really, really confronting for me. Um, I thought to myself, how is it that you want to start something new? But in order to start something new, that means the end of something else. Even though it's so scriptural, right? Jesus, when he's talking to his churches in the book of Revelation, we went through this in November last year. Remember that series, Real Church Problems? It's still up on podcast if you want. We talked about Jesus speaking to his churches. And the first one he talked to was a church in Ephesus, right? Church in Ephesus. And he actually said to the church in Ephesus, I'm actually the Lord of the churches. And I can and I will take the lampstand of churches away. And guess what? To this day, there are no churches in Ephesus. He took the lampstand away. That's really sobering for for me, really, really sobering. Put that in light of the fact that this year we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, and in going through the Gospel of Mark, it has refocused my attention on the Old Testament prophets. And Jesus and God, over and over again, they are directing um, their focus on spiritual leaders over and over again. So that has really put a healthy fear of God inside of me when it comes to leadership and being a pastor of this church, but we'd never had any ambition of changing the church. But God spoke and He actually lined things up. And if you're part of that process, it was quite an extraordinary process. I remember leading up to the first of January in 2017, and I was talking about this new season that was coming upon us. And um, I can say it now, but like then, I was just talking in faith. I believe God said this. And I would rock up on a Sunday and say, this is where God is taking us. This is what God has said. And on Sunday, i would be full of faith. And on Monday, I'm like crampled over. I'm going to go, God, you better come through. You better do this. I went to your church and I said, you're doing this. You better do it. You better do it. It was by faith. And on the 1st of January, 2017, to everyone's surprise, including my own, by the way, God did it. On that very first Sunday, God showed up. And it was undeniable that there was a different atmosphere in this place. There was a different DNA. It was as if something brand new had been birthed on this plot of land that has existed for who knows how long. He did it. Nothing to do with us. He did it. And New Spring Church in Perth was born. I didn't know what this place would look like. Yesterday, we had our um, volunteer breakfast. Um, So if you volunteer... Like, rock up to breakfast. It's good to celebrate together, right? Um, I was sitting in the atrium yesterday, and um, we, we had like um, 80 of our volunteers there, um, which means we've got well over 90 volunteers. So we've got about a third of our church volunteering, which is pretty cool. And um, I was sitting in the atrium looking at these 80 beautiful people, and um, I was just thinking to myself, you know, it wasn't that, that long ago that we had less people in our church than what we did in the atrium volunteering in the life of this church. Sometimes for me, like, I get so caught up in the day-to-day running of things that I don't realise that over a, a particularly short period of time, there have been so many beautiful people who have come to join us here in this marvellous church. That's incredible for me. I was just sitting there. I was astounded. That has nothing to do with me. I'm not exceptional. But God is faithful. He's very very, very faithful. I had no idea that, that in a relatively short period of time that God wanted us to grow quite well numerically. Not that I, don't, I really don't care too much about numbers. I've got to be honest, but because because more people mean it's more work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, but there are so many beautiful people who've joined us, and it's just amazing. And every week we're meeting new more, more new people. I think sometimes we take for granted the presence of God in this place. I'm pretty privileged in that I get to quite regularly go and speak in other churches. But I love coming home because there's a spirit in this house that is not the same spirit in other places. And there are times where it is just absolutely effortless here. And even during the week, I'll walk into this auditorium and there is like this lingering of the presence of God here. When we pray on Mondays, Monday nights, it's almost as if God is waiting for us to show up. That is so precious. It's so amazing. I, I know there have been so many times when I've left my home on a Monday night coming here to pray or on a Wednesday night coming to rehearsal or, or on a Tuesday night or, or, or something. And, and I'm coming here and, and there's just this sense of excitement which is bursting inside of me. I don't even know why. And I turn the corner and I look at our church. And, and there's actually been times when I've actually seen that there is actually like this glowing and there's like this, almost like this, there's something incredible about this place. But I take that for granted so, so often, so, so often. It's amazing that God said that he wanted to start something new and he actually came through. That astounds me. It really humbles me. Well, some months ago, I felt that God said, November 24, I want you to announce something to New Spring Church. And um, I particularly don't like doing things like Vision Sundays or using, like like even for this, I wanted people to know, but I didn't want to do any big social media marketing campaign or even, I didn't even want to put a picture up. It was like, FYI, Dave's going to speak into 2020. For those who have ears to hear, rock up. But I, and this was like a long time ago, planning this year, it was November 24, Dave, I want you to announce something. And he said, I want you to announce that New Spring Church is about to enter a brand new season. And I've got to be honest, I've been wrestling with that for months now. And um, I had to do it because um, we've had a members meeting and then we've had an AGM. And both the members meeting and the AGM, I've actually said November 24, I'm going to do this. So I actually said that out in public, so I couldn't get out of it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And to be honest, it's been a wrestle. And it's been this thing that by faith, God, I'm going to believe again that you are going to do what you say you're going to do. So I'm wrestling with it. And even this week, I'm still wrestling with it. And then God starts speaking to me. And he hasn't spoken to me in the way he spoke to me this last week for a long time. For a long time. I think maybe it's because um, primarily I've been going through the Gospel of Mark this year. And it has been a different dialogue with the Holy Spirit. But this week in particular, it was almost like he kind of got me by the shoulders. And he was like just getting my attention. And um, he just wanted... Um, me to get it. He spoke. And he spoke a word of confirmation. And I want all of us as New Spring Church, I don't care how long you've been in New Spring Church, same with volunteering. Like, we had a guy at the Volunteers thing, he only volunteered once. Don't bother me. Volunteer once, rock up, come and have a feed. You know what I'm saying? You've been volunteering for decades. Doesn't matter. You know, I think there's something biblical about that, right? Yeah. Anyway. um, But I want us as New Spring Church to be aware of what God is saying to his church, okay? I don't want this to be a thing of this is what Dave's saying. No, try to hear past my words and incline your heart to what the Holy Spirit is saying to his church. This church belongs to Jesus. It does not belong to Andrew and my, me, all right? There will be a day when Jesus says, okay, you need to hand us over and we will do it like that, um, So for those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the word of the Lord says. I'm just going to read Joshua 5 again because it actually comes from there. While the Israelites were camped in Gilgal, on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. The very next day they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. No manna appeared on the day they first ate, from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. This is what God said to me. And after he said this to me, he took me into Joshua 5, and he made me sit down and study it, and that's what we're going to go through today. But this is, word for word, this is what God said. He said, Son, as the leader of this church, and as the primary feeder of this church, have you not realized... I've changed the diet. I know this year, my spiritual diet has changed. And as a consequence, if you've been traveling for even a month in New Spring Church, you will realize and you will recognize there has been a distinct change in the diet of New Spring Church. Can anyone testify to that? There has been a change this year, hasn't there? There has been a change. How's your appetite going this year? How's your palate for the Word of God going this year? I've had countless stories, countless stories from people in the life of this church. They've been journeying with us. And like even sometimes Matt and I, we'd be talking in Dome and Gosles and we're talking about the Gospel of Mark. And we know, we know as, as those who teach it, we're only scratching the surface. But, but, but there's been people who been saying, we are going through this stuff this year. And like the things that once satisfied me, they're like nothing to me now. It's like nothing to me. I used to have this diet of this and of this and of this and of this, but all of a sudden there's something brand new that's been opened to me and the stuff that once satisfied me, the things which I was once consumed with, whether that be television or movies or, or even like, like books or anything, that, that that's like doesn't even satisfy me now. There's something that's changed. There's this new hunger for the Word of God. There's a new hunger for the Spirit of God. I've got this thing inside of me where I'm starting to see Jesus for real, for real. You know what I'm saying? I haven't just got this character. Of, of, of a varnished image of Jesus that I picked up by a tradition. And I hate to say it, but we can talk about traditions and denominations and say, oh, that person gives us an image of God which isn't true, or that one and that one and that one. Let me tell you, the charismatic and Pentecostal movements, we have picked up a lot of unhealthy pictures of who Jesus is. And as we've been going through the gospel of Mark, we're seeing him as he truly is. And you know what? He's incredible. He's incredible. He's incredible. Allow Jesus to speak for himself. He is incredible. Let me ask you another question. I asked a question this morning. You know, if you're sort of saying, you know what, well, <laughs> my appetite hasn't changed. I'll ask you, what well, I know my mum would have wanted to know when I was like living at home. <laughs> have you been eating in or you've been eating out? <laughs> mum would always know. And she'd know when I was eating out. I'd be eating Macca's and HJ's. K- oh, man, I used to love KFC. I'm not allowed to now, but you know what I'm saying? KFC to- oh, man. And back in those days, like in Armadale, they used to have all-you-can-eat KFC. Oh, man. <laughs> Watch out the day after. You do not want to be around. <laughs> anyway, all of this to say, you know what? The diet has changed at New Spring Church. The diet has changed. The diet has changed. This story that we're going to be looking at is a really interesting story. I find it very, very interesting. It's almost this pivotal moment. Actually, it's not almost. It is a pivotal moment. For how long have Joshua and Israelites experienced manna from God, the provision of manna? I think the daily provision of manna reminded them every single day of God, which is great, right? Fantastic. It provided, get this, it provided the nutrition which was necessary to wander, <laughs> just to wander around the wilderness. There is some food that you and I can easily partake of, and the only nutritional value that it actually gives us is the nutrition to wander around in the wilderness. And even in the wandering around in the wilderness, there's an acknowledgement of God. Yeah, praise God. But you will find that there comes a time when God actually changes the diet in your life and in my life, in the life of the church, and that is significant. You, know, you need to pay attention. It says from verse 11, the very next day, the very next day. They didn't expect it to happen the next day, but the very next day. I think that all parents can appreciate the very next day kind of moment. I remember Kayla and Jackson, the time came when we needed to start moving them into solids. You remember those times, right? And you would like sort of get like mushy stuff and start feeding them the mushy stuff instead of milk. Now they had no idea when that was going to happen. Obviously, they had no idea. You know, one meal they had milk, the next meal, well, it all changes. Andrew and I did. So we knew when that meal was going to start. We also knew what that meal consisted of. But in some sense, for Kayla and Jackson, that change in their diet happened the very next day. Parents get it. God is our Heavenly Father. At any given moment, at any given time, the very next day he will change the diet. And that is significant. It is really important to understand and pay attention when the diet changes. And we didn't give them a T-bone steak. We still don't give them a T-bone steak. It's too expensive, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we still don't give them a T-bone steak. But 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 but, but it moves them on that journey towards that. And you know, like you, 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 everyone has seen the face of a, of a baby when they start eating fol- uh, solids, right? So, it's like, so you, you can see their facial expression. It's like, what is this? The, the palate needs to get accustomed to it. And not just the taste, the texture. This isn't just milk anymore. This is actually gluggy. It's mushy. But you need to pay attention when God changes the diet on you because that's significant. And you may be traveling your life for decades, weeks, I don't care, I don't know how long it is. In any given moment, something changes in your life and you are exposed to a brand new diet, pay attention. That's significant. And it's not a bad thing, it's a great thing. Because, I mean, God loves you and He's not finished with you. Now, commentators, um, they've labored to actually point out the emphasis of this. Um, change in food in this new land. Um, This is an emphasis of a new season, of a transition in a new season. This occasion in the book of Joshua is momentous for Israel in that it ended 40 years of wilderness living and the daily symbol of that wandering in the wilderness was the provision of manna. That was the daily reminder. That was the daily symbol. We wake up in the morning, we get manna, that means I'm in the wilderness. I'm wandering. I wake up in the morning, I got manna, that's a symbol. That means, okay, today I'm going to wander in the wilderness. So when you change that, that's significant. It's very, very significant. It actually means those days of wandering, that season has ceased, you see. Now, the importance of this occasion is actually signaled by two things in this um, passage. The first one's the repetition of eating. Happens three times. Verse 11, the very next day began to eat. There's one unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested to the Lord. Verse 12, no manna appeared on the day they first ate. There's number two from the crops of the land and it never was seen again. So from that time on the Israelites ate, there's number three from the crops of Canaan. A repetition of eating, that's significant. Anytime you read the Bible and there's a repetition of something, pay attention. It's not there by accident understand that these writers, they don't have italics, they don't have underlining, they don't have bold, they don't have all the luxuries that we have today. They actually have to repeat things. That's really, really significant. And it's the emphasis that the change in diet signifies a transition. There's a second reference here which is particularly um, exciting, albeit it's actually quite hidden because we can't read it in our English translations. And um, it's rendered here... The second reference, and it was never seen again um, in, in our NLT. Um, this reads literally listen to these words, and there was not again for the sons of Israel, manna. And there was not again. The construction of that syntax is actually um, echoed from two previous um, uses of it. And again, these are significant. And there was not again. Um, one is in Joshua chapter 2, verse 11, and the other is in Joshua 5. So Joshua 2, verse 11 says this, No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. In the original language, it would have said, And there arose not again any spirit or courage in any man. Joshua 5 says this, And the Amorite kings west of the Jordan all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could, uh, could cross. They lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. Again, the rendering says, And there was not in them again any spirit. There's this repetition of, and there was not again. There was not again. All of this to say, and this is hidden, that whilst the change in their diet meant there was a change in season, it also signified that just as that manna had stopped and ceased to be, the courage in their enemies at that point had also stopped and ceased to be. The repetition of that line three times tells us that. That's significant. That's significant. I think that's significant to know when we go into moments of seasonal change and God does change the diet on us. And we may have been going for a very, very long time, coming against the same enemies, coming against the same obstacles, fighting the same Goliaths and the same giants, and we get intimidated and we get frustrated because we can't seem to get anywhere. At one moment, the very next day, God will change the diet on you to signify there's a new season. But in the change of that season, he's also telling you the courage and the strength of your opponent is no longer there. See, that's hidden in the text. That's pretty exciting though, isn't it? Yeah, pretty exciting. So the change in the diet signifies transition a new season and the end of their enemy's courage. Israel's consumption of the um, of food was a symbol of them taking possession, which was a promise from God. Deuteronomy 6 is this promise. I wonder if anything of this resonates With you. From verse 10, The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. Verse 11, The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful to not forget the Lord who rescued you. From slavery in the land of Egypt. I mean, does this speak anything to anyone here tonight? Because it intrigues me that God will actually say to me months and months ago, I want you to make an announcement on the 24th of November and I'll be honest, every single time there's been a significant Sunday, I am amazed at the amount of people in our church who are not a church, even though we're still like quite full this morning and we've got people here. but the, the, the people being here, that's not the point. The point is that an announcement is made. And with the announcement that is made, the outworking of this is all this kind of stuff, and that really does intrigue me. It really, really does intrigue me. Now, it intrigues me on a corporate level as a church, but it really excites me when it comes to an individual level. Because it lets me know that if anyone has ears to hear, you may have been coming against that same wall time and time and time and time and time again. And I know because I'm human, you keep on bumping against that sucker and eventually you just give up. And maybe this change in seasons letting you know that wall is not as strong as what it was before. Yeah? See, I wish I was down there listening to this. This is It's good. It's good. In the times when you sense there is a seasonal shift, there is always going to be ambiguity. Leading into January 1, 2017. Let me tell you it's a heap of ambiguity. Even after that, there was ambiguity. There's ambiguity about what does this new season look like? What does this new season smell like? What company of people will be journeying with us? You know, what giants and battles will I have to face and fight. Notice I said, Will, you will have to fight. You know why you're going to have to fight? Because you're a Christian. That's what we do. (laughs) We fight on behalf of other people. Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord, Isaiah 40 verse 1. Comfort, comfort. Comfort is you giving your strength to another person. Yeah. When there are people in our lives and they are weak and they are vulnerable, guess what? We stand alongside them and the strength that God has given me I impart then to another person comfort comfort my people says the Lord. We are not people where we are navel gazers and we're just only consumed and only interested in our own little patch or our own little family or my own little career or our own little church. We are Christians. We are given the mandate of seeing the kingdom of God breaking in and breaking forth into this world. We are those people who live in such a way as if, check us out, this is actually what it looks like if Jesus is king. You know what I'm saying? This is what it looks like. You don't need to be going to other places, you don't need to be checking other things out. Come and check out Dave Ryder and you will see what it looks like. That's who we are. So there'll be fights, you know. (laughs) And don't come crying. We'll be saying, you can do it. Come on, go get him. Go and kill your Goliath. Amen. So even though there's a lot of ambiguity in that kind of stuff, there should not be any ambiguity as to the diet that you're on. There can be ambiguity in your season, but there should not be ambiguity with your diet. Are you a fairy floss Christian? Or sugar and hot air? That's how you make fairy floss. Sugar and hot air crazy our kids love it <laughs> are you content being like this christian who has takeaway all the time it's convenient it's accessible you know your, your 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 spiritual input is like you go on your instagram and someone does a meme you know or someone does a small little clip from someone preaching completely out of you don't know what the sermon is but you got this little thing it's like oh yeah that's my spiritual takeaway for today seriously you're gonna be content eating like maccas for the rest of your life we, we, that's just not going to be good for your health, you know. What kind of Christian? What, what's your diet going to look like? Are you going to do that, or, or are you actually going to spend the time to actually sit down and open up the book and get into holy scripture and actually go on your knees before God and say, "God, speak to me, bring understanding, allow me to see the stuff." Rock up the church. You get great teaching in New Spring. Great. I wish I got this teaching when I was younger. I wish I did, you know? I feel like I'm I'm like behind the eight ball. I'm having to play catch up at the age of 40. I wish I had this stuff. But there's one thing that we do not have to be ambiguous about, the diet that we're on, the diet that we're on. Are you getting a steady, hot, nourishing, consistent meal every day that's making you stronger, making you stronger? Because there's a reason why God changed the diet. For 40 years, they're wandering in the wilderness, and manna was okay. But God changed the diet, and the very next thing, they had to take on Jericho. In other words, the nutritional value which was sufficient for the wilderness was not sufficient for taking Jericho. Now, we we we've all we, we we can decide for some reason God is God yet He allows us a lot of freedom. We can decide to keep wandering for a long time. You can wander for forty years and never reach your potential. You can wander for forty years and never take on your Goliath. You can wander, and God can continually bring in front of you. New diets, new ways, new ideas, new seasons, and you continue, continually walk past them. That's your prerogative. All I'm saying is as a church, God's changed the diet, and that means something. That means something for us. I think there's something in this, um, this local church that there is a sense that there is something on the horizon. I know personally, um, I've had this growing sense that there is a seasonal shift inside of me. And that is starting to outwork itself now. It seems that God is asking me to step out and do things which I would rather not. I'm always being backed into corners now, which is really, really frustrating if you know how God works. And there is a seasonal shift for our church. Over the last couple of years, and this year in particular, we've had regular prophetic voices affirm this. Um, I love the prophetic, love the prophetic. But for me, there's a point where I no longer want to hear the prophetic affirmations. I actually want to see the manifestation of the prophetic. And that's kind of where we're at. Is this cool so far? All right. Now, there's a caution. There's always a caution, isn't there? There's a caution. Luke chapter 5, verse 37 to 38. It's a familiar story, a parable. I'm going to read it from Luke's... um, from uh, Luke's recall because he actually adds something there which at the end which I have never seen before. Um, but yet is actually really speaking to me. So from verse thirty seven of Luke chapter five, Jesus talking this parable which we've mentioned um as we've gone through the Gospel of Mark, he says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. Pretty familiar. We we, we know this parable, right? Cool little parable. And um, as we've studied the Gospel of Mark, I think um, Doug outworked it a little bit. And... um, what we sort of were learning from that in our Sunday morning services is that when God's doing something new, you can't simply try to contain it in something old. Because if you try to do that, you're going to get hurt. It's almost like if you're going to put a new piece of cloth onto old piece of cloth, that old piece of cloth's going to get ripped. In the same way, if you put new wine into an old wineskin, that old wineskin's going to burst. If you're going to resist, or if you're going to try and manipulate God, that he's wanting to do something new in your life, and you want to actually stay with the old stuff, guess what? you might get torn, and it's going to hurt. Wisdom would say, if God's doing something new, say, okay, you're the boss, I'm going to go with you. You know what I'm saying? So it lets us know that. I was also thinking about this. Um, the other thing which which I think it actually tells us is that um, there is an order. It's not like you can get new wine and build a new wineskin and kind of pour new wine into a wineskin that's currently being built at the same time. There's an order, isn't it? First, you have to put together that new wineskin. And after you put the new wineskin together, then you pour in the new wine, right? I reckon we're at that point where we built the new wineskin, but we haven't got the new wine yet. I don't think we've got the new wine yet. But if God's talking about a seasonal change and transition, and a moment where we're on a new diet and our enemies, which were once intimidating, now actually have no strength. In fact, you'd probably say they're intimidated with us now. Um, that would signal that their new wine's about to be poured in. That's pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. But there is this caution which is very, very um, confronting and it's found in verse 39, the very next verse. And this is what Jesus says. Pay attention. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. Now tell me, is that not a picture of the church? God wants to do something new, and the church says, yeah, no. The old stuff, that's just good. We're fine with that. Here's the challenge, New Spring Church. I know where I'm at with that, but where are you with that? Where do you sit with the new and the old? And that's the caution. So 2020, like I said, I wanted to speak into 2020. 2020. Over the next couple of months, there's going to be some new doors opening. There are some things that I'm aware might happen. There's a lot of things that I'm unaware, but I know some things are going to happen. There's going to be um, new staff. That's something that's going to change. Most of us in this church by now, because the rumour mill of New Spring is so effective, so effective, will know that Donna is leaving me. And And Andrea... She's Donna is finishing her role on staff here on midnight December 31 she handed in her resignation and said okay but you're going to stay here until December 31 that's pretty significant for us we've had six six years when we've been blessed with having Donna Smith here for those who um, were here six years ago I stood up and I said this is a vision appointment I could try and tell you what this church will be like, but I figured I'd probably get this incredible woman and let her loose, and you will actually feel the effects of Donna Smith. We've all felt the effects of Donna Smith. Yeah. Andrew and I are still in the process emotionally of dealing with that, because it's actually a hard thing. Um, It amazes me, people come and go in churches and they think that means nothing. Are you serious? This is supposed to be a family. It's like, this is relational stuff. But we know this is the right decision. It's the right decision. Um, as much as it sucks. Um, it's quite terrifying because for six years, um, we've been doing this, and next year is kind of like, what does that look like? Well, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Next year, Brett Keogh. Beautiful Brett over here incredible like Brett there's so much more in Brett than even he thinks I find I, that's, that, that's the privilege I have for some reason God allows me to see things inside of other people that they don't even see but in January he's stepping in as executive pastor of New Spring Church it's going to be part time we need to increase that but um, the grace of Brett that's going to be fantastic there's another young lady who is coming on staff next year in a part-time capacity. Um, Her name is Chelsea Horner. Um, That might surprise a lot of people. And Chelsea is going to come on as um, working with our community relations, in particular with schools. But she's also going to be helping us with some systems administration. Um, Because one of the challenges we're having at the moment is that we have lots of people coming and we're a growing church. Um, But we need to actually have some ways and means by which we actually know people so that New Spring Church isn't just a group of strangers, but we actually know who we are. So that's going to happen next year. So right off the bat, that changes stuff. For six years, New Spring Church has been shaped predominantly by the grace and the gifting that God has put on Donna Smith and Dave Ryder. You put Donna and Dave together for six years and voila, this is what you get. For better or for worse. (laughs) But this is what you get right? next year we've got a different grace mix so you still got Dave Ryder still got me many people may not know but for the last couple of years and go into next year Andrew volunteers um, as a staff person here and um, not only is she like a volunteer staff person she's actually your pastor Um, and that's really significant and we've kind of come to this time as um, a married couple where the kids are growing up a bit and you will notice that she's actually growing and there is actually a grace that's being placed on side of her which we're all benefiting from and that is such a beautiful thing so you got the grace of Dave and Andrea the Ryder family in the house then you add to that the grace of Brett Kehoe and then you add to that the grace that God's put on Chelsea Horner then you add to that the grace that God's placed on where's that Where's Nathan? Hiding over there, old spice over there. And you know what? Throughout next year he'll actually add some more graces. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. So right off the bat, we know this church is gonna be different. It's a new wine skin. It's a new wine skin. We can't go into 2020 with an expectation of what God has done in 2019 because that would actually be unfair and unreasonable because the grace mix is different next year compared to what it has been for the last six years. It just can't happen. Does that make me comfortable? No. There's a lot of ambiguity. This is what I said, the season to come. I don't know exactly what it looks like. I don't know what it smells like. I don't know the people are gonna be coming with or all that, but one thing I am sure about, I have no doubt About the diet that God has placed in front of me. I know the diet I'd eat. I know the food I'm partaking of. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. So New Spring Church, he changed the diet on us. And from my end, as the primary feeder and the leader of this church, he changed the diet on us, and I didn't even realize... Until he sat me down this week and he said, how is it you didn't recognize it? How is it you didn't see it? And because the diet has changed, that signifies a seasonal change that we are to step into. And he or she who has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit of the Lord says to his church. Amen.